Today we are continuing in our studies in the book of Proverbs, Wisdom in Life. That's what we have been studying. And today it will be a really good idea to open up both chapters, chapter 1 and chapter 6. I'll cover chapter 1 first and then go to chapter 6 momentarily. In the last couple of weeks, we have been talking about what true wisdom looks like. The path of wisdom that we are called to walk in the way of the Lord. And today, in order to further clarify and solidify the path of wisdom, we will take the different path, the opposite path, its counterpart. Sometimes you need to know the path of foolishness in order to really know what true wisdom also looks like. So we will talk about the fool foolishness. So I have a very warm and welcoming question to you. How foolish are you today? <laughs> you didn't sign off for that, didn't you? Like, I came here to feel good about how wise I am. Uh, no. Uh, there are different types of fools that the book of Proverbs will present before us. I, I do pray, not in a negative sense, church, but in a good sense, God will humble you. God will give you listening ears because only humble will be able to hear this rebuke from the word of the Lord. And that we will turn from the ways of foolishness and walk in the path of wisdom. So three types of fools that we are going to talk about. First fool is a simple fool. We'll talk about that. I'll elaborate each of them just in a moment. We'll talk about simple fool. We will talk about sluggard fool. And then we'll talk about fool who's good for nothing. Uh, yeah, NIV translates them as troublemakers. The simple, sluggard, troublemaker, good for nothing, however you want to put it. So let's go one by one. First, simple fool. Verse 22, chapter 1, we read it. What does it say? How long will you who are simple love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? Here, when the Proverbs, the Hebrew word used there for simple is the Hebrew word for pethi, and means the one who's open-minded for everything. There is no framework in his life whatsoever. As a result, they are very gullible. They are very naive and immature in all that they do. Um, we have been defining the wisdom thus far as competency, a skillfulness in the reality that God has created, the skillfulness in God's reality, the competency in God's reality. So on the other side, a simple fool who has no framework whatsoever, just open-minded for everything, naive, gullible, are the one who's out of touch with the reality that God created. If wise, this path of wisdom are the one who is competent and skillful in reality of God, they're God's reality. Fools are just out of touch, often by two ways, by ignorance and by stubbornness. Let's talk about that one by one. So first, they are very simple fools are immature and gullible because they are ignorant. Not necessarily in two negative sense, but in a sense like a child. Sometimes we see children repeating the words that we didn't teach them, but they have seen it somewhere. They just repeat the words without even understanding what that means. 
they are, in a sense, needs to be taught about the way of the Lord. They are like a blank canvas. Whatever color or paint you paint, it just shows up because they have not been taught yet. But it's like Psalmist tells in 119, God's word adds understanding to simple. Simple don't even know what they don't know. They are gullible. That's why we learn it. That's why we talk about book of Proverbs, the full of wisdom, because without instruction, without correction, without intention, without direction, they will always be naive and gullible. Uh, they are ignorant with God's reality that he has set to motion. That's why I teach and we learn book of Proverbs. That being said, there's also simple side of simple foolish, not only ignorant, but even perhaps greater foolishness and simpleness is that they are very stubborn. Do you see how Lady Wisdom here is crying out, verse 20 and 21? Like here, Lady Wisdom is pursuing you. If you want to know how Lady Wisdom is really pursuing you, come next week. We'll talk much more about how Wisdom is pursuing after you. But look at verse 20 and 21. It talks about out in the open, Wisdom calls aloud. She raises her voice in the public square. On top of the wall, she cries out at the city gate. She makes her speech. Wisdom is pursuing this simple. Verse 22, Solomon, through the lady wisdom, speaks, How long will you who are simple, how long will you remain in love your simple ways? Referring, they are stuck in their own way with their stubbornness. What's the result of them being just be so stubborn in their simpleness? Verse 32, for the waywardness of the simple will kill them. And the complacency of fools will destroy them. Sometimes we are way too comfortable with what we already know, and we want to just remain that way. Have you tried to reason with this type of simple fools? They are so stubborn that it's really hard to reason with them because they are so right in their own eyes. Their bandwidth is set, and they are willing, not willing to be broadened. And perhaps the oftentimes simple fool will actually encompass both ignorance and stubborn. In Korea, we have this proverb saying, just like America has, that actually captured this really well. In Korea, we have a proverb that says, the scariest fool you will ever talk to in your life is the person who only read one book. What this proverb means, they are ignorant because this one book is figuratively, metaphorically, or literally perhaps, it's all they know. They are not willing to be challenged by contrary information or accompanying information, and yet they are also very stubborn because this one book must be the gospel. It's the truth. It's everything that they think it is. So they are not willing to be challenged by any other side of information. They're ignorant of truth because they want to insist that they are right, simple fool, and not willing to consider the other side, whether it be the accompanying information or the contrary information. They are stubborn and stuck in that way. Psychologically speaking, there is a term for that. It's called confirmation bias. Let me read what confirmation bias really means. Confirmation bias is the tendency to search for, interpret, and favor, and recall information in a way that confirms or supports one's prior belief or values. People display this bias when they select information that supports their views, ignoring contrary information, 
or when they interpret ambiguous evidence as supporting their existing attitudes. The effect is strongest for desired outcomes, for emotionally charged issues, and for deeply entrenched belief. Uh, those people who struggle with the confirmation bias who are simple fools, are ignorant and stubborn. They dwell in echo chamber, not willing to receive any correction, discipline, advice, direction, but they are stuck in their own way. Oftentimes, when two people struggle with confirmation bias talk, there's no conversation. Just screaming at each other, I'm right, you're wrong, you're wrong, I'm right, always. And when the wisdom cries out, you fool, simple fool, how long are you going to remain in your simplicity? How long will you love your simple ways? Do you see how simple fools are really contrary to their own? They're open-minded about everything. There's no framework. At the same time, they are so ignorant and stuck in their own ways. And without proper discipline and correction, we remain in that way. Otherwise, without proper correction and discipline from the wisdom, we become the simple product of our upbringing, our temperament, our surroundings. For example, if your tendency, temperament is to be anxious, tended to withdraw, how long are you going to just remain that way? Without wisdom, you will never learn to speak up. You will never learn to be decisive. You will never learn to open up yourself. On the other side, some of your temperament is perhaps aggression and assertiveness only. If you just hear that temperament is a great thing without proper correction and discipline, then you will never learn to be patient, always blowing up, not knowing how to be a bit more cautious. We just become product of our temperament. So let us not be the simple product of our temperament only, but without willingness to receive this instruction and consistent discipline, the simple fool will quickly progress to greater foolishness. So simple fool in itself, there's great opportunity. There's always opportunity to choose the path of wisdom and the path of foolishness. Without proper instruction and correction that requires your humility, the simple fool will continue to prolong in their way of their stubbornness to greater foolishness each step of the way. So which, if you are in that crossroad today, which path will you choose, church? Will you turn around from being simple from dwelling in your echo chamber, perhaps? Perhaps you say you're open-minded and all, yet very stubborn in our own ways, and choose the path of wisdom. Perhaps some of you know the entrepreneur, guy named Tony Shea. I recently read his biography. Tony is co-founder Link Exchange and sold his business to Microsoft at $265 million. And he founded one of the biggest online retail shoe store called Zappos that was sold, acquired by Amazon in 2009 at whopping $1.2 billion. Uh, Tony Shea was known as a guru of culture. He was obsessed. He was a man of extremist. He was obsessed over his happiness the happiness of his employees, and happiness of customer. His biography that he wrote is called Delivering Happiness. 
He was willing to do anything for happiness. Um, so one time, he even called his own customer service, his company, to test them. And this is a shoe store. He called, hey, I want some pizza. What are they going to do? They were taught to do anything for a customer that this customer agent ended up looking for pizza store nearby this customer's calling. They were willing to do anything. And Tony was just so obsessed at happiness uh, that in the end, he won't thought he can compromise the reality that even God had said. He even drove like 36 hours with his friend, drinking 18 Red Bulls himself, thinking he can hack sleep, needing of a sleep. He experimented a bunch of drugs in his life in the end. His friends confronted him. Hey, Tony, you're not well. That's not good. The country singer Jewel was a good friend of Tony. She wrote a heartfelt letter pleading him to correct her ways. In the end, out of his one of the experiments, thinking he can hack a bunch of sleep or physical happiness, euphoria that he desired, out of his one of the experiments he did, he was scared of himself and told his friends to check in with me. And one of the experiences, he locked himself in garage and died out of fire. In such a young age, November 2020, he died at the age of 46. What if he was just a little bit more open, rather than being so stuck in his own ways, I can achieve this happiness at what cost, no matter what. What if he was just a little bit open? He was extremely smart, man, but smart and wise is two different things. Smart requires knowledge, but wisdom requires humility. What if he just was a little bit more to others' rebuke when their beloved friends rebuked him? Or perhaps some of more familiar name to you guys, Steve Jobs. With all respect to his death, his biographer tells that he prolonged, delayed all kinds of surgery in contrary to all doctors' opinion for nine months because he was obsessed over alternative diet. The reason why there's a reason why Apple is called Apple. He loved Apple. And carrots, this diet, he thought he can cure it. In the end, his biographer tells us that Steve Jobs regretted his choice, not listening to doctors nine months later. He prolonged all this surgery. Extremely brilliant entrepreneurs and smart men, but what if they were just a bit more open rather than be stuck in their own ways? Children, we might look at them and say, oh yeah, they're, they're simple, they're stubborn. But what about you? What about me? You know what scares me, church? I'm no exception to this. In my 20s, I used to look back in my teenage years and thinking, oh my goodness, I had no idea what I was doing in my teenage years. And then now, now that in my 30s, I thought I was great in 20s, but now that in my 30s, I look back in my 20s and I said, wow, I thought I knew better. Whew, I had no idea. The scariest thing is, in a few years, I'm in my 40s. I look back in my 30s. I think I know what I'm doing. But pretty sure in my 40s, I look back in my 30s and say, boy, didn't I know better. It constantly requires wisdom and humility to receive instruction and correction. Your inner self alone isn't capable of generating all the wisdom. You constantly need instruction, correction, and direction from the wise one. Otherwise, you'll just remain in your own echo chamber always struggle with a confirmation bias, I am right, and you will walk in the path of simple fool. Oh boy, isn't it? Don't you feel better by now that you're at the church this morning? (laughs) 
Before I give you antidote, how to turn around from your simple foolishness, let's talk about another type of foolishness, second type of foolishness that Proverbs talk a lot about. It's a sluggardful, chapter 6. Let's go to chapter 6. Uh, verse 6, what does it say? It says, uh, Solomon says, Go to the end, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. Uh, did you notice here so far? What do you think when you hear about the word lazy? Observe lazy in our human tendency to think busy, right? But does Solomon say, go to the end, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be busy. Does he say that? No. Not be busy and be wise. Wait a second. What? What's going on here? It has no commander, verse said, no overseer or ruler, verse 8, yet it stores its provision in summer and gathers its fruit at harvest. When Proverbs talk about sluggard and lazy, yes, sometimes it talks about the concept that you and I both know, what is obvious. Someone who just doesn't want to do anything, lazy. But oftentimes, Proverbs also talk about busy, lazy. And I think, well, let me explore that a little bit further. There's one famous proverb, Proverbs 10.4 talks, lazy hands makes for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. We think, when we see that verse, we tend to think, if you're lazy, if you don't work hard, you may be poor. If you work hard, you'll be diligent, you get rich. Is that what it means? Actually, not really. The Hebrew word used there, Hebrews 10.4 for lazy, actually is the term for arrow, archery, it's the, when the string ought to be taut, but when the string in the archery is loosened, it's it literally the Hebrew word used lazy means slack. When it's loosened, when you shoot arrow, when it's taut, it will go with a great direction, intention, and target to the right target that they shoot for. But when it's slack, whatever you shoot, it just goes aimless, directionless. There's no strategy. There's no priority. In other words, likewise, in Proverbs 6, here Solomon doesn't say, go to the end and be like them, be busy. But no, be wise. Know your priority. Ant knows what their priority and with great strategy. Have you seen Ant Hill? How amazing that is? They exactly know what they to do. They store its provision in the summer and gather its fruit in the harvest. There's aim and purpose of what they are doing. So yes, there are sluggards who just doesn't want to do anything, but I think a lot of us are actually more like this proverb talk about, busy, lazy. We are busy, but there's no aim, no purpose, no direction. How do I know that? Because I struggle with that too. What I mean by that, have you heard of this thing called procrastinating cleaning? It's like, when I'm so stressed, I have so much thing to do, and I know what I should do, but I don't want to do it. I just clean stuff. So if you ever stop by my office, if it's really clean, you bet I am stressed because <laughs> I'm just cleaning obsessively. I know what I should be doing, but I, I don't want to think that's too much, too much. So I just clean stuff. I'm busy, but there's no focus. There's no priority. There's no direction of what I'm doing. Have you thought about Jesus and Mary and Martha account? Mary, you're busy. Jesus loved Martha. So Martha, you're so busy. She had her peace of heart was in pieces doing so many things. But Mary chose one priority, one good thing. She knew out of all the things, had priority, 
focus to sit at my feet. Sometimes we can be very busy, yet without purpose, without direction. We are busy and yet lazy. So, what does the Proverbs say in verse 9? How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from the sleep? Sluggard fool will have no answer from the question. He will not give an honest refusal, but he deceives himself by an endless sequence of little compromises. Little snooze of your priority each day. Meh, I'll get to it eventually. I know what God has called me, but I'm busy doing other things. So, have you seen those who seem always occupied, always busy? But when you see them in long term of life, you're always occupied, busy, but you haven't got anywhere in your life. Perhaps they may well be busy, lazy. You know, what about you, church? What about me? Uh, let me talk about you first. How about that? Maybe. <laughs> Whenever I ask, how are you? One of the most repeated answers I hear is, oh, I'm so busy. That's what I hear all the time from you. I do. It's like every day, every time I ask a question. Sometimes you say, I am busy, as if that's a status symbol. I'm important. I am busy. But sometimes you are so busy because you're doing a bunch of other things, doing a bunch of actually good things without really discerning what the best thing that the Lord is requiring of you. There is no strategy like end. There is no planning, but you're just busy doing all the good things. One of you, actually, your church, asked me about a few months ago, hey, how are you, Jin? Shame on me. Oh, I am so busy. <laughs> he looks at me, and he's like, well, Jin, you know what? I've talked to many pastors, but every pastor I talk to, it seems like they always answer they are busy. It's, it seems like a perpetual problem. Why don't they do something about it? I'm listening. I'm like, yeah, you're right. And then I, what I realize is that sometimes what I am required of is pleasing God. But sometimes I'm so busy trying to please you, just to people please, that I'm neglecting what is most important to be just busy, busy, busy at the expense of what? What is God calling you? That look at the end. They are not just simply busy, but they have a strategy, know exactly what they ought to do each day. So what's the 21st century form of slugger that you and I in the suburb of Philadelphia struggle each day? It can be FOMO, fear of missing out. You feel like you have to do everything, that your kids play every sport. You ought to do everything because you just don't want to miss out. You will constantly want to measure up. But I think there's also this thing called photo. I made that up. It's not a word. Fear of displeasing others, one that I shared. Sometimes we are just so busy trying to please everybody while neglecting, really pleasing God, what the Lord has called us. So it can be. Busy in my doing, but lazy in my purpose. That's called rat race. You just do a bunch of things, motion. You know, shame on me. When we were planning Proverbs series, I was like, oh, we can, there are a bunch of stuff. We should cover sluggardness. No one struggles with the sluggardness. We all are busy. We should skip that. I said that. But as I was just studying, I realized, oh, man, it's me right here. What's the, part, what's the result of this kind of sluggard fool? Look at verse 11. And poverty will come to you like a thief. The literal translation word that thief is a vagabond. The one who just aimlessly wanders. In your life, you just wander without purpose and direction, not discerning the, what the Lord has required of you. 
So Shelton, where are you today? We have so far looked at two different types of fool. The simple fool, uh, they're open-minded for everything, no framework, and yet they are so ignorant and stuck in their own ways, struggling with only hearing what they want to hear, confirmation biased. But on the other side, sluggard fool, there's always excuses. They are lazy, or sometimes they're busy lazy, doing a bunch of things without discerning why they are doing what they are doing. But true wisdom knows how to discern, right? When 80% of life does not require moral decision, true wise knows how to discern among worst, good, and best. What is the Lord calling you today? Third, before I give any more antidote, don't you want to hear about the cure of all that? I'll get there in a second. But let's talk one more time about how foolish we are. Third type of fool who is good for nothing. Look verse 12. What does it say? A troublemaker and a villain who goes about with a corrupt mouth. So when Jesus calls peacemaker in Matthew 9 in the Sermon on the Mount, they, are, they are the tend to be the one who diffuse tensions. They always try to make peace. But a troublemaker, literal translation, is a lot of translation translate the word as someone who's worthless. Someone who's good for nothing because they just cause troubles. The troublemaker, the one who is good for nothing, they don't address lovingly what needs to be addressed. But whenever they open their mouths with deception, it's in the mode of self-seeking and self-exhortation. It's all about them rather than speaking with love and laying themselves down. What is so hard about these troublemakers, this one who is good for nothing, is it's really hard to discern. What does verse 13 and 14 say? These people who winks maliciously with one eye, signal his defeat emotions with his fingers, who plots evil with deceit in his heart. So they just don't go out blunt lies, but there's always half-truth. But sometimes half-truths are far more dangerous than lies because it's really hard to discern. There's their opinion and their assertion and speaking is one-sided, reductionistic, perhaps intentionally omitting truths of the other side to get their way. But these people will constantly stir up the pot. And you just are around, and like, oh boy, it's too much. These are constantly stirring up conflict. Does conflict always follow you, church? Does conflict always follow me? Perhaps you are like me. You've been to few conflicts in your life, perhaps many. If you haven't been into any conflict whatsoever, I want to get to know you. I might bring one to you. <laughs> I hope not. Um, but perhaps you've been in conflict with those who are very similar as you, temperament-wise. Or perhaps you've been in conflict with those who are very different than you. Perhaps someone who's much older, someone who's much younger, perhaps your closest family to the furthest acquaintance you can imagine. So you're like, what's the common denominator with all the conflicts? They are so different. Can I tell you what's the common denominator of all the conflicts that you've been into? You are in it. Do you know what's the common denominator of all the conflicts that I've been in it? I am in it. As much as I want to blame them, there's log in my eyes as well. It's so easy to, you know, this cliche saying, when you point one finger at others, three fingers are pointing back to you. You've heard that before. Chilton, where are you? 
Do you tend to cause it or aggregate this conflict? True peacemaker, wise one, will know how to diffuse, how to make peace. But this kind of conflict, troublemaker, constantly tries to stir up, constantly stirs up the pot. And Proverbs calls them a fool. Now, have you identified any of these three types of fool that we talked about today? Simple fool, sluggard fool, the fool who's good for nothing, troublemakers. You have a choice today. Which path are you going to walk? Now, I'm about to give you an antidote. As we progress in our sermon series in the book of Proverbs, we will give very tangible and applicable action steps. Like your Solomon does in chapter 6, what does he say? If you're a lazy, go to the ants and learn. Okay, I know what to do. But before we get there, actually, what Solomon is requiring and its foundational level of what we need to do is actually the change of heart. Go back to chapter 1. Watch Solomon's exhortation for those fools. What did Solomon say there? For those all simple fools, you are just how long are you going to remain in your ways? Verse 23, watch Solomon's exhortation. Repent at my rebuke. Then I'll pour out my thoughts to you. I will make known to you my teachings. But if you don't listen God's rebuke, then watch the result of that. Verse 29 and 30, chapter 1. Since they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord, since they would not accept my advice and spurn my rebuke, they will eat the fruit of their ways and be filled with the fruit of their skins. In the end, you reap what you sow, you fools, Solomon tells. The beginning and the true healing balm of all our foolishness, Shelton, requires the change of heart. All our direction and action will stem from the change of heart. So Solomon's exhortation today, at the foundational level in chapter 1, is that repent, turn from your folly. Repent means to turn around from this path of foolish to path of wisdom. Repentance requires great humility. I do think one of the lost arts of Christianity in our century, in our culture, is really repentance and humility. Oh, I am so right in my own eyes. We scream at each other, people who may think a little bit different. Is there humility within you? If you want to learn to be wise, begin from listening God's rebuke today. If you thought that, oh, wow, I am so wise, I am none of that today that you talked about, Jen. If you are there, I ask you to think twice. And maybe wisdom was, the lady wisdom was trying to call you a little bit today, but you're like, huh, you're that simple fool, stuck in your own ways. I'm none of that. Church, do you want wisdom? Let's begin by listening to God's rebuke and repent. Uh, some of you know, we as a church sometimes gather, every week actually gather Tuesday evening to pray together. And what happened this past week actually really made impression within me. Do you guys dream much? I dream a lot, actually. I'm not talking about daydreaming. I'm talking about literal dream when you go to bed at night. My dreams are often either sometimes, well, nightmares are filled with my some childhood traumas, difficulties I've been through. And sometimes normal dreams are so random. I even dreamt the last night. One of my college friends who was a preacher turned out to be a dentist, and he was fixing my teeth. I'm like, that's so random. Uh, I literally dreamt the last night. It was not on my manuscript because I already wrote that. And some of my dreams are all about, like, my own fleshly ambition. My think, my kingdom come. Yeah, Jen is great. Or sometimes just sure random. 
But at Tuesday night, as a church, we have a time of repentance. And the presider will preside over that time and think, and last night I dreamt a dream. And he said, you know, in my dream, I guess I did something wrong. I was repenting, confessing my sins before the Lord in my dream. I was really taken by that. Repenting and confessing in my dream? No way. In my dream, I'm the greatest. <laughs> but for, for him to say that in his dream that he was repenting and confessing before God, that must have been the, that's his daily rhythm. Even in subconscious, he shows up. I was really taken by that. I'm like, God... It's repentance and confession, humility, my daily rhythm. Or subconsciously, involuntarily, I'm always thinking I'm right and I'm great. I think the latter is truth for me. Children, repent. That's Solomon's exhortation for you. And today, wisdom is pursuing for you. If you don't even know how to repent today, may I show you the way you can begin it? This is what Paul shared in 1 Corinthians 1. Listen to this word. When the lady wisdom pursued you in the book of Proverbs, in the New Testament, this lady wisdom will become a full person. Jesus Christ is pursuing you, the embodiment of all wisdom. 1 Corinthians 1 says, For the message of the Christ, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. We preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Shelton, Christ pursued you. The world considered cross as foolishness, but to us, that is the very transforming power and the wisdom that is pursuing after you. If you don't know how to repent, will you don't, if you don't even know where to begin, will you tarry at the foot of the cross just a tad bit longer today? Sometimes I feel like cross becomes such a cliche. May cross never be a cliche. That's the very transforming power and the ultimate wisdom that you and I are seeking today. Cross will liberate you from your pretense because you knew you were messed up, but Jesus Christ, our ultimate wisdom, pursued you. Yet it will clothe you with a complete confidence because when we are flawed, he loved us to death. Our wisdom pursued us to death to make us wise. So today, which path are you, children? Will you turn from folly and go to the way of the wisdom? At the center of that road, you will see the beautiful cross on there and say, Lord, build my life upon the cross. I want to build my foundation in your ultimate wisdom. May you who have pursued me relentlessly, may I see the glorious beauty and may I turn from my simple follies, my sluggard follies, my conflict-creating troublemaker follies, one who's good for nothing, to the way of life, to the way of Jesus Christ. Will you look to him today? Let's pray together. Oh God, you know my heart, oh Lord. I thought this will not be a difficult sermon. But Lord, you've been working in my heart. I thought I was wise. I thought I knew better. But you have been revealing one by one. God, will you do the same work in our hearts of us today gathered here too? Oh Lord, cause us to repent and cause us to rejoice because you have forgiven us and make us to turn around from our follies not just busy, lazy, 
but really diligent with a purpose in life, choosing the one best thing that you have required of us. Oh Lord, you make us to rise from ashes to beauty today, from humility to rejoicing. We believe it begins from the foot of the cross. So Jesus Christ, we look to you. Holy Spirit, stir our hearts. Strip all our fragile egos and fleshly desires. Says we behold Father, I pray that we will exalt the Son. May our lives be marked by Christ, what he has done on the cross. So Lord, will you help us? We do believe it's truth, but we struggle. So Lord, we look to you today for great hope. In your precious name we pray, amen.